A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Now you're very welcome along to the Huddle Breakdown. And a call here with you in the company of Alan Morrison and Juco James. As always, we have a game to get stuck into. 5 1 win away to St. Mirren. St. Mirren obviously down to 10 men by the full time whistle, but it wasn't all Celtics way at the weekend. The first half was definitely a stodge affair, if you could use that word. And the second half was much better. So we're noticing a bit of a trend here when we're coming up against teams that park the bus and potentially nick a goal. Celtic struggled to break them down initially. The cavalry came off the bench and Celtic absolutely blew them away in the second half so there's loads to get stuck into with this game it's going to be a busy podcast James Allen you're very welcome along and welcome to everybody who's watching on YouTube as well if you do have any questions or thoughts on the game do get the comments coming in and like the video as well so more people can see the live stream on YouTube so Alan I guess we'll start with you this was a game that we've seen before with Celtic this season (laughs) Poor enough second, first half, strong performance from the opposition, made it difficult for Celtic for large parts of the game. And then Celtic had four players that are capable of being starters in the team come off the bench and uh, the game completely changed. Yeah, I mean, for sure, some patterns. And, you know, to credit to to James, James has pointed out that, you know, St. Mirren have been the template for many others. So when you say we've seen this game before, it's because... Teams looked at the way St Mirren set up against Celtic in September and won two nothing, and uh, have tried to emulate in many in many respects. Um, and you know, again, we saw a very well organised. I mean, listen, in my view, this is the second best coach team in the league, right? So you know, in that respect, even though they haven't necessarily got the best, most salaried players, I think they're the second best organised team. I mean, they, they do play the same way every week. I think pretty much they do play the same formation. They've got a very um, quite a small, tight group knit of play, uh, squad of players, so the relative predictability in terms of the way they're going to play, and they do it very effectively. And they all work bloody hard for each other, which you know you'd think is the minimum requirement. But you know when we watch Hibs and Aberdeen and Dundee United, especially uh, even Hearts, sometimes you, you wonder why they can't emulate at least that aspect of it. So in that respect, you know, they set out again to make life difficult. Now, you know, we often talk about game state. So when you get a penalty after six minutes and take the lead, I think that almost, almost in their minds kind of confused them a little bit in terms of do they continue to play the way they set out at nil-nil originally or do they just retreat that little bit more potentially? Uh, now, I'm not sure they did that because I think they, they held Celtic at, at length. Um, what they did particularly effectively uh, um, was they, they shut down, especially Aaron Moy, every time he got the ball. Um, and it was either Gogic or Dunn took it in turns to come out and close down Moy. And I was watching that in the first half, thinking, I wonder if they're doing this uh, across the pitch, but they didn't. They left McGregor pretty much alone, and they didn't do it to Hatati. Now, I think Hatati tended to... The only reason I could think for that was that Hatati tended to drift more wide, I suspect their centre-backs didn't want to be pulled out into the touchline, uh, whereas Moy was trying to find spaces in the sort of central half spaces. Uh, and also, I suspect, you know, in reality, if, if you allow Aaron Moy 
time to turn in the final third and get his head up, that's a very sort of dangerous proposition, really, because he's just so good at picking people out. So I think they did that very effectively. And then there was a compounding Celtic sort of impotence, really, was the, the, what we saw in the League Cup final, which was just the lack of the ability of the two wide players to really influence the game. Um, you know, Maida just couldn't get on the ball, and when he did, he kind of fell over it and didn't really, didn't really do anything with it. And Jota, when Jota got the ball, he just kind of gave it away, and you know, looked, looked kind of he looked a yard short of pace and didn't seem to. He seemed to be starting his dribbles and his feints and his flicks five yards before he'd even reached the defender, which I don't understand. Rather than take the ball to the defender, then then do his trick. So I think you know, for those reasons, um, the, you know, the first half was very very stodgy, but. You know, all the way through it, I was thinking, should I be panicking? <laughs> Will we work this out? Because what's the evidence? The evidence is that, that we have done. And obviously, we can talk about the sending off and so forth, and that obviously has a massive influence. And I think it completely destroyed their mentality in terms of the game plan at that point. That and being one nil up, I think it actually confused them as to what they were trying to do quite a lot of the time. And maybe we can get on into that deeper as we go on. <clears throat> uh, James, this going into this game, I, when I saw the the starting lineup. Sometimes I go into the comments and to see what the general reaction to it is. And a lot of people were like, yes, this is our strongest starting 11. This is the best team Celtic could have put out on the pitch. And then it just didn't seem to work out that way for whatever reason, the players who came off the bench were better performing, be that because of the St. Mirren tiredness in the second half or the way the Celtic approached the second half. But uh, what what do you think went wrong, particularly in the first half for Celtic, that they just couldn't get it going? I think it's more of the same, meaning that we, we've had this issue to a degree, um, particularly when teams are better organized, um, when they do some smart things. So uh, p- people may recall that um, Rangers gave us a bit of a, a headache late last season when they had Bassey effectively man-marking Rockich. If anyone remembers that, he would jump in kind of like Dunn or Gogic did um, uh, with with Moy. Um, so, you know, I, I agree with Al. I mean, and, and I mentioned this in prior occasions that Robinson seems to be, you know, um, on, on the upper echelon of uh, of domestic managers as far as being um, smart and, you know, having a, an organized, well-coached side. Um, and I, I actually checked when Alan was speaking. I, I, they've only played that that system basically this season. It looks like to me, anyway. Um, and looking at the different sources of of, uh, of data, so you know, basically five three two three five two. Um, um, so yeah, it it, it I, I think there's an interesting discussion we've had it before whether Maeda is um, an ideal uh, matchup um, when when we talk about you know, this kind of situation um, it, it, when a team's not all that interested in build up play and isn't going to possess the ball that much, um, isn't a huge threat on the counter on the ground. I mean, they're going to pass through our, our, uh, our, our midfield. Um, how much does that nullify his, his contribution? You know, that tracking back he does, the pressing he does, and then you're kind of left with what he does in attack and, when you're playing against a more bunkered, tighter, narrow, disciplined um, side like St. Marin have been against us under Robinson and in fairness under Goodwin to a degree as well in the past, um, you know, 
he, he he's not the best at beating a fullback one v one, and Jota did as you guys said maybe didn't have his best day in that regard. Um, you know, had a nice finish for the goal, but yeah, he he it was not a good day. And it, this is just anecdotal, but he has not looked his himself even. You know, we've talked in the past that kind of flat out pace is not his strength. Um, and he's looked even a little bit slower. Maybe it's a seasonal thing. Maybe the <laughs> maybe he's not responding well to the um, February March uh, Scottish weather. But yeah, he, he you know he's having trouble on a quickness and a speed basis. You know, beating domestic fullbacks um, with consistency. And and I think um, you know, g- given a guy of his skill level, that is less than ideal. Um, mm. So yeah, it, it was you know they they've got some big, uh, reasonably athletic guys in midfield that nullified a little bit, and um, our wing play, you know, just didn't o- uh, compensate in order to to generate the threats that we that we wanted. Yeah, and I think one of the issues with that is because the new role that Kyogo has or seems to have within the team that he's getting on the ball a lot less and he's actually more of a box threat than a link-up player because, I mean, last year maybe it was a necessity thing that he just didn't have the players around him that he felt he needed to drop back and, and get on the ball a bit more. But this year he's very much playing as an out-and-out striker who's not on the ball all that much. And I think that's reflected in the data throughout the season. But, Alan, we're talking about Jota. I know we dropped you dropped off there for a second, but we're talking about Jota Maeda. Maeda was the guy who got the hook at halftime as opposed yeah. to Jota. And judging upon what most people were saying online, Jota was the worst player. Now, personally, I didn't think he was all that bad. Like, I didn't think he was horrendous. I didn't think he was at his best. But why do you think it was uh, Jota that stayed on the pitch as opposed to Maeda? Yeah, and this is, again, I mean, you know, this is personal to me, but maybe other people might resonate. When I was watching the game, my feeling at halftime was, you know, just one of intense frustration with Yota and his performance, and he was just making me mad every time he got the ball. And I think, and also, you know, he got recency bias. I think the last thing he did in the half was pass a simple ten-yard ball straight out of play. You know, it was just like it just seemed to sum up his whole his whole half. And I was thinking, right, it needs needs to be a change here, and, and you take Yota off. But when you look the, watch the game back, you know, without the emotion, with emotion taken out of it. The re- the difference between the two is that although although Yota was having a really poor day in terms of outcome, he was at least continuing to try to do things. And that's that, I think, especially in the modern game, where you know, teams want their attacking players to, to try and take people on, to try and get crosses into the box, to, to try shots, to try the unexpected, um, as opposed to, you know, maybe I think back to quite pragmatic football in the 70s and 80s that I was brought up with, you know, if you'd given the ball away and thrown as many poor crosses into the box as Yota, then you probably would have been would have been hooked for being ineffective. But actually what's ineffective in in in, uh, in modern thinking is is more sort of Maida performance where you're just not getting on the ball. You're not finding you're not solving the problem of the fact that you're not getting on the ball. And when he is getting on the ball, you know, it wasn't even threatening. Even if he did get past the first man, he either ran out of play or or miscontrolled it. So he's just it was just a completely ineffective performance on the ball, which it was it in the League Cup final, uh, you know, he was absolutely incredible off the ball, uh, you know, in terms of his work rate, his 
as well as all, you know, is, is closing down, is tracking back, especially is stopping to very near getting up the pitch. But uh, in this game, that wasn't really a, an asset that was needed against such a deep defence. So really, he was there. The wingers were there to create and to, and to solve the problem of this low block and of this really intense press on our creative number eights and solve that problem. And he, and he didn't. He didn't contribute anything. Whereas Yota, he may not have had great outcomes, but he at least in that first half had a couple of shots. He at least you know set up a chance for McGregor. He at least tried to get the ball into the box. He at least tried to take players on. And that's why I think he was um, left on and Maeda came off. And then you know, obviously when Abada came on, he you know he did all those things. He he actually gave it away pretty much the first four times he got at Abada. But but what he did do was again he just every time he got the ball he just committed he committed he committed and eventually you only need that to work once for you and you're back in the game and that's the that's the thing and you know one for kids watching is is actually Yota is a brilliant um, example for kids especially attackers uh, in terms of you know don't get disappointed. Don't get disheartened. Keep trying. Keep keep trying to beat your man. Keep trying to you know get to the byline. Keep trying to put those penetrative passes in because again, in a tight game like this, you only need to, to for it to work once. Uh, and and you know, got, Jota was on the back post on the wrong side to get to get that that ball in the net to get the equaliser. You know, and that's a classic example. You know, when yeah. I played, I played as a striker. Some of the worst games of football I ever played in my life. You walked off the pitch with a hat trick because. That's just the way football is. Sometimes you know you just you're having a stinker, and then the ball falls to you in front of the goal, and you tap it in, and suddenly the whole world looks different. And that's exactly what happened to him. The whole world looked mm. rosy once that ball trundled over the line. So, yeah, great example. But that that I think that's that was really what it, what it was. It was he was at least getting in the game. He was getting on the ball, and although it, although it was a bit painful to watch, he was at least trying to make things happen. And, and the manager gambled that eventually something would go right for him, which it did. Yeah, and this is why I think the idea around data analysis is uh, very interesting because the analysis side of things is the most critical part of data collection and and analyzing football using data is that, take Jota, for example, at the weekend, you could look at his game and say, okay, yeah, he failed in 10 dribbles, uh, give the ball away, you know, 11 times, but... You could you could look at that and say, okay, yeah, he had a terrible game. But then the flip side is the point that you're making is that no, he was actually trying loads of different things, trying it all the time. Even when he was, even when they weren't coming off, they were still he was still attempting it. And that's why I think a lot of a lot of clubs, modern clubs especially, get bogged down on efficiency and efficiency with players. That sometimes they'll take a less talented player because he's more efficient and more consistent and does the simple things, whereas. Uh, I think the likes of Jota, I've always said it, he's a player that Celtic should always have at their disposal, somebody who is able to make something happen out of nothing. And I mean, it only takes one attempt to do that. Sometimes you will fail five times to get past that player, but then the sixth time you try it, you get past him, you score a goal. And ultimately, Jota was left on the pitch and he got a goal. And maybe that's confirmation bias that he didn't have that bad of a game. But I'd be on your side of the argument, Alan, that... I'm. I prefer my players to try things, regardless of how bad they're playing. And um, Jota is one of those players. So, so, so and that's why I'll just jump into quickly. So, just again, in context as always is that um, he actually did end up with. So, I have this kind of aggregated attacking threat score 
which is kind of my own thing. Um, so Abada had the highest. Jota was second. He broke a hundred for his packing score as well, and his scoring expected scoring contribution was, uh, I think, the third highest. So it wasn't all bad. But the point, the point is well with Jota, and this is the same, the same point we've made about Alfredo Morelos quite a few times is that Jota is absolutely fine for a team like Celtic, who, you know, he he, he batters his cross against the full back or blasts it over the bar. He's going to get the ball again in five minutes, two minutes, and he's going to have another go, right? But if you're Southampton and you're battling relegation and you've got someone like Jota and, and, and he, he gets the ball five times in the half and every time, you know, it breaks down, that's not so good. So, you know, he's the sort of player that he's probably going to be most effective in a dominant team, I think. A luxury player is what they used to call him, am I right? <laughs> well, it's not a luxury for Celtic because you need that. You need someone who's, yeah. who's like, like him, who's not going to get despondent because things aren't coming off against a packed defence. Yeah, one of the things that Jose Mourinho used to say is that he needs eight piano carriers, but only three piano players. And for me, Jota is a piano player as opposed to a, a, a piano carrier. Um, so it, we mentioned Abada there, James. He also came off the bench and was incredibly effective. I mean, this kid is just... It's just so exciting, and we haven't really got to see all that much of him this year. And I'm interested to get your take on that and why that might be that he just hasn't really made an impact consistently in the starting lineup, given what he has actually done when he's been in the team. Yeah, that's a difficult uh, question. I mean, I, obviously, um, the manager has preferred Jota and Maeda. Um, I think in certain circumstances that that's a very defendable uh, um, logic and preference. Um, I think it becomes tougher when you're facing some of these bunkered sides and, and you are looking at, as we, we mentioned and discussed when Alan had dropped off, that um, some of Maeda's effectiveness and value might be muted or blunted a little bit um, when teams are just going long and not really looking to counter uh, against us by passing through us. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's... Um, this is a good problem to have. I mean, uh, Abad is basically making it difficult not to play him, <laughs> right? So that's what you want. You want someone that, uh, when they do get the opportunity, is is making a case for themselves and almost forcing their way into the into the side. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see how much playing time he gets, how if he does get more starts. Um, and which of the two between Jota and, and Maeda would would be dropped um, as as a result? I suspect it would be Maeda, but um, uh, that would probably be my preference. Again, against at least uh, t- ten ten sides in in the league. Um, but yeah, I mean, and we we've talked about Abada over and over. I mean, he's just this fascinatingly quixotic player that just um, ha- has an ability to to create almost like a force of nature in, in, uh, in attacking um, w- warts and all. That's the fascinating part. Mm. And there are <laughs> substantial warts that are eyesores when they pop out. But uh, when you net it all out, he, he's just been a terrific player. Yeah. Alan, there's a couple of facets to the about a conversation. So firstly, you could definitely make the argument that this is a young guy who is being nurtured in a, sort of consistent and mature way that they're not throwing them in every single game, not putting too much pressure on his shoulders. Last year, I think it was different where it was definitely a necessity for him to be 
a starter consistently, whereas this year is not really. So he's sort of just being, you know, edged into the team. Um, and he's definitely have, still having an impact that way. Second way you can look at it is that potentially Abada is more uh, is more dangerous coming off the bench because of what he brings and how attacking and direct he is, the fitness that he brings against a, a tiring side. And then thirdly, it's just the form of the other players that Maeda has been so good since the World Cup that it has just been difficult for Abada <clears throat> to get into the team. So where do you fall on him? Yeah, no, I think a lot of good points there. and I don't, don't disagree with many of them, to be honest with you. Um, I think with Maeda, yes, his form was brilliant after the World Cup, um, but it's certainly dropped off on the ball, certainly, in the last two games. So maybe maybe Abada, especially after that performance, has earned earned a chance. But it's an interesting one in terms of what dynamics are you looking for, because there are very different players. Jota's a player who, who will get on the ball anywhere on the pitch, and take the ball and, and look for the ball and look for work anywhere on the pitch. And, you know, as his, his goal and assist record shows, he's equally as capable of scoring or assisting. You know, with Maeda, you're just not going to get that. You're not going to get that quantity of chances created or, you know, whilst he's he's a dangerous, certainly, in the box. And as he showed in um, Japan, he's got a very good goal record. He's not going to give you that all-round attacking threat. But, of course, what he gives you is this tremendous off the ball ability to harass and, and bother um you know defenders and not give them a moment's peace and force mistakes and stretch the game. It will stretch teams um in, in ways that maybe Abada and and even Jota, as as James said, he's not got blistering pace. Uh, doesn't. So you could end up with a situation where you've got Jota and and Abada and, and you're just not pulling the teams you know just not pulling the opposition out of, out of position. And when it's a low block, you're just not getting the spaces created and the runs are just not being made dynamically enough because both want to come a little bit short, get the ball and then drive at the opposition, which can sometimes be a bit easier to defend. But I keep coming back to now, and it's been like two seasons with Abada, and I agree with James, there's a lot of rubbish in there. There's a lot of crap that he gives out, you know, terrible decisions, bad passes, you know, really, really poor stuff. But, you know, his expected scoring contribution, so that's expected goals plus expected assists, and he's got the equivalent of just over 18 matches of data here, is 1.2, you know, 1.2 goals or assists every game. And he's managing to get one. He's got, you know, he's he's got one. So so to put that into context, I think, you know, Yota's 0.8 and Maida's 0.7. So um, (laughs) just from sheer attacking output, Abada makes a very strong case to be included. And for me, a home game, even though it's against Hearts, who, you know, should be one of the stronger teams, but a home game, you know, would be would be where I would uh, be looking to to utilise him. I think he deserves to be given his head and just see how effective he can be, especially after, as I say, that performance. I mean, I was a bit taken aback when he got the man of the match on the, on the I mean, I was watching, I was watching UK Sky and he was given the man of the match, but actually... You know, he he did have the best attacking stats in the game for forty five minutes. I mean, he in that second half, he you know he he got into the box eight times, which is a huge number. I mean, I'm just if you just quickly bear with uh, if you just bear with me, the next highest number in terms of possessions in the box would actually be Jota with six. So you know, eight in in forty five minutes, and you know he ran with the ball. He you know one of the, one of the things that Celtic did in the second half that they didn't do in the first half is they actually ran and drove at them. In the first half, they only did seven 
what I'd call progressive runs. And in the second half, you know, my um, Abada had like eight on his own. And there was 22 overall as a team. So, you know, we, we changed our approach. They tired, we drove at them, but Abada was setting the example, if you like, on that one. So mm. I, I don't think we've got a starting 11 in this respect. I think it's horses for courses. And obviously the three of them, and Haksabanovic, the four of them, really give you all very different options. So as James says, I'm not stressed about it. They all give something a bit different, and it's a nice problem to have, which is classic fence-sitting, I'm afraid. But I would definitely give yeah. a badder the next game. I think he absolutely earns it. Yeah. Well, th- this is sort of the interesting point about this game because I think most people going into it... No, I was very uh, heavy on Celtic going into this, and in a way I was proven right given they won 5-1, but I think most people were apprehensive about you know how small St. Mirren's pitch was, how tight they make games and I suppose the penalty decision in the first half completely sort of um, super drived that opinion that St. Mirren were going to make this as difficult as possible when they went 1-0 up. St. Mirren actually hadn't lost the game from a winning position as well to add even more fire to that and Celtic were struggling but then if you look at the second half where Celtic take on Lilabada um, Haksabanovic O, Matt O'Reilly and Tomoki Iwata. I mean, James, like this is this is where Celtic are going to win out a lot of these games that are tied at halftime. I know, Alan, you've been posting the, the stats at halftime during the games and then again at full time. And a large amount of the time, it's Celtic who have, you know, 65% possession, you know, an XG of 1.0 and then the score could be, nil-nil or one-nil Celtic and it all looks very tight and scary and nervous given the position that Celtic are in but in reality it's actually a a second half for Celtic could be you know 10 times better because of the players who are coming off it's just the advantage that we have from that five substitution rule especially yeah, it's almost unfair in some respects I mean it it, it's taken a league dynamic that's already been um, challenged for um, the other teams and, and just made that more difficult, um, particularly un, under Ange. Um, I, obviously, you know, we talked about this early in the season um, about how uh, Hibbs's performance data had been skewed because of how much time they had spent playing against 10 men and that they had kind of racked up a lot of their xg advantage that people were referencing as far as hey you know they're underperforming their xg or maybe they're better than they look and that kind of thing and it you know when you really dug into it it it, it had a lot to do so again you can't underestimate or discount um i I think it was around the 40th minute he got sent off uh so you know that that is a huge impact not only is it going down to 10 men but for a material amount of the game and then pile on top of that that we have this deep reservoir of talent and not only just talent but you know attacking talent um which in the in the the form of a bottom haksabanovich you could argue are at least as good if not better from you know uh, a chance creation against the low block with more space fewer men i mean it was it, it you know it's 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 uh pr- pretty unfair <laughs> in many respects um so yeah it was a matter of you know how long until we kind of made the dam break i think once they went down a man um the the 
you know, the likelihood of us scoring several goals, I think was pretty high um, once that happened. But yeah, I mean, it, it all of them played reasonably well. Um, obviously, St. Mirren fatigued, understandably, given the circumstances and that that compounds the issues for them. Um, just back to Obata real quick, because again, I, I I wanted to reference this. This is before my cherished OBV became of uh, in, in existence. One of the ways, you know, I, I had come up with my own kind of proxies to try and back into the same kind of methodology, which is, you know, lo- looking at players and how they uh, benchmark on on a relationship basis. Meaning that, for for example, with Abada, if you look at his. Um, a lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. You know, the number of open play passes he has relative to um, the chances that he creates, relative to um, things like deep completions and, and, uh, the the XA per uh, shot assist that he had, right? So he had a lot of these things that suggested that his um, when he was on the ball, even though he had bad things that happened on a not um, small amount of the time, that when it came off, it came off in a way that was um, inordinately productive, meaning that that you know the, the the positives outweigh the negatives kind of thing and that's what we've talked about with this obv metric and that's one of the things that we'll you know in the discussion about hatate that it has had been that it the dial hadn't really shifted right so that abada is an extreme version of that um because he's so productive when he when it comes off and and so ugly when it doesn't um and and that's it, it's consistent with him it, that's why he's such a, a fascinating player is because whether it's dribbling and carrying the ball taking on defenders i mean sometimes it just looks like an absolute train wreck <laughs> but when you step back and look at it all and kind of bundle it all up it really is fascinating and it'll be fat you know again someone in his situation I think it's going to be very interesting to monitor um, somebody had commented and there's a little bit of a discussion in the comment section live about him changing agents. And um, there's been some discussion about what that might mean. Um, he hasn't been playing that much. If I'm a guy in his situation that's performed as well as I have, and I'm an ambitious young footballer that's worried about my career, you know, um, that that certainly could enter into the equation. And again, that's an issue that you have when you have a lot of good players, eventually people that aren't playing as much as they want are not going to be happy about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how, how that plays out because we, we've talked about this over and over again, that this summer there's probably going to be some people that leave and maybe some that'll kind of hurt like Dranovich did. And um uh, you know, for some like Jack Amakis did. Uh, so, you know, I think he might be another one that you kind of line up and say, okay, well, what's his career path and how much is, is Celtic going to be a part of it? Mm. I'm pretty sure Jack Amakis hasn't even trained yet because of his visa. Um, he's not, I, he, he was on the bench. I don't know if he got in. Um, he got it. He, he was on the bench this past weekend. I know. Okay, that. so I think it must have been sorted out then. As yep. recent as last week, I think he was still struggling yeah. with his visa. So I mean, that's a yeah. shit show. You think he'd sort that out before you go? Um, but 
Yeah, Alan, I guess I hate referring to these players as assets because they're humans, but in terms of monetary value, like Abada is a young international who has Champions League experience with three years left in his contract and has played at a high-level senior football already. He is one of Celtic's strongest assets, really. If you're going to sell him this summer, might be the best option. Well, I mean, you know, he's still a very young, a very young player, and he's appeared in—I'm just checking now—thirty-seven matches this season, which I think that seems like most. more than I imagined. I don't know. Well, that's the most in the squad, and I think it was the same last season. In fact, I'm pretty sure he's appeared in more games than any other player under Postecoglou. So as a 37-year-old, as a choice, as a 37, as a young 21-year-old, 20 or whatever he is, um, was that was that a, a Freudian slip that you were wishing you were 37 again? Alex? <laughs> well, yes, <that's, laughs> commenting on you, James. Obviously, yeah. um, he's he's getting a decent amount of football, right? I said he's he, uh, 37 appearances equates to 18, just over 18, 90 minutes, if you like. So he's getting like half a game, I suppose. Um, but you know, again. This is why I think someone like Jackamakis shot himself in the foot, in my view, because here's a player who, you know, what's the biggest club he's going to play for? Where's he going to win medals and get success? Yes, okay, he's coming on playing 30 minutes, but he's coming on playing 30 minutes. He's getting three or four shots at goal, probably scoring at least one. Um, every other game, ending up with great stats and a bunch of medals. And, you know, that might not be for everybody, right? And Abada has got to think about. Um, He's, he, I mean, about his stats are ridiculous, as James has said. And there's no doubt that um, if you can find somebody who looks a bit further than the top five leagues, which is very rare today, very rare to go onto Twitter and see a, a list of players with stats, and it's actually not the top five leagues. But given that there are some smart people out there that look beyond the top five leagues, um, I, I would suggest he would be on in the top five <laughs> of any list of attacking players in terms of sheer... Um, you know, volume of expected goals, expected assists, etc. Uh, in Europe, right? So he's bound to be on people's radars in that respect. I mean, as James said, you don't want any of those players to go, and I wouldn't want him to go if I was thinking about player trading. Uh, there'd be a couple of names that spring to my mind before before him in terms of whose who's, who's stars are reasonably high that I think would be relatively easy to, to replace in the squad. And I think he would be very difficult to replace in the squad, actually. In fact, frankly. It'd be it'd cost a fortune to replace uh, as a as a twenty one year old with, with this kind of stat. So, I th- you know, I, I would I would like to see him get a run of games. I'll be honest, and to really you know show those numbers on a on a from a starting position. Because again, come back to Jackamakis. If you compare Jackamakis as a starter versus Jackamakis as a sub, very very different stats. Whereas you know, if you looked at, if you Jackamakis' numbers overall, they were about the same, if not slightly better than Kyogo's. If you looked at them as a starter, there was just no comparison. Kyogo was way, way more effective as a starter, and Jackamakis was more effective as a sub. Remember, Kyogo never comes on after 60 minutes against a tired defence, does he? Ever. So, sorry, I've gone off on a bit of a tangent there, but I'm, I'm still kind of a bit down on Jackamakis' attitude. But yeah, no, Abada would be one I'd be wanted to hopefully, hopefully that we keep and nurture because I think he's, as James says, with, with a lot of rough edges, he's also got a lot of exceptional um, abilities. Yeah, and I'm not advocating for him to be sold. I'm just throwing mm. it out as a potential that you know, mm. I I wouldn't I would not be surprised if he was sold at 
in the summer. You saying a bard is not good enough? Is that what you said? That's exactly what I'm saying. I'm gonna. I'll, I'll clip that. I'll clip that, and I'll stick it out on Twitter. See how people. You'll clip, you'll clip it so it looks like I'm making a statement. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you get your comments at the ready. Everyone get the, get ready for the pylon. Um, yes. Now, I guess another player came off the bench in this game uh, was Haksavanovic. I mean, I mean, I'm just I'm always interested in Haksavanovic because, like, he came into such fanfare and he did seem like a really exciting player. And he still does. I'm not saying he has been a, a letdown in any way, but there's just something about him. It just doesn't seem to have settled in in the way that you might have wanted him to. That's a very broad statement. I don't know how I can back that up in any way with um, sort of specifics. But there's just something about Haxabanovic that it seems like he should be a starter. And if he played to his best and was consistent in without injury that he would be a starter, James. But I'm not sure what your take on on him is because I think we're we're all waiting for him to score a goal, and then the goal came, and we thought that was going to be it, and it would be sort of a a waterfall of goals from him. But you're on mute, or no, you're not. So as someone who is um, can't jump over a telephone book and is as slow as molasses in winter time. Uh, I think he's too slow. Or to be a winger. I, I, I think, I, I think he does not appear to have those top two gears. And a lot of the time that's okay. Like he's, he's so good on the ball and he, you know, we've talked about how creative he is and um, he seems to be a pretty intelligent player as far as decision-making and that kind of thing. Um, but, but I wonder if that, might be factoring into it. I mean, if you're going to see a guy in training every day and he just doesn't have those top two gears. Um, and I, I have to say, when I looked at him, when news came out that we were signing him, you know, and again, this is not a stat. I don't, I don't have any tracking data to, to back this up, but um, you know, it, it was visible to me and looking at his video clips that he, you know, is not swift relative to, you know, again, um, he, he'd be almost like a winger version of, of Aaron Moy, right? Which on, on the balance of things, like wing is not where you need that, right? I mean, it, it's, it's going to glare even more so out wide than it is in, in the midfield. Um, so I, I, I'm, I'm postulating, right? So maybe, maybe that could be it. Because um, again, he's going up against guys like Maeda, like Abada, who do have those at least the top uh, next to top gear. And at times even that, you know, highest gear. Um, and, you know, as far, if you're going to change things up, like if you're going to have a guy who doesn't have that top gear, you kind of already have Jota in that category. So is he better mm-hmm. than Jota uh, overall? I, I think that that's a good, interesting conversation. Um, but I think that you don't, you know, you have a Bada and Maeda that's going to give you that kind of athleticism and the speed. Um, and that remains my concern with him. Yeah, we um, we have seen him play centrally as well. Um, um, whether that's a better position for him or not, I thought he was actually quite good when he played centrally. Um, Alan, is this just a case of, again, this similar to Abada that there's just so many good players in the, in the squad that it, it is difficult to cement down mm. A place consistently because even the likes of Awata, for the short amount that I've seen with Awata, he's a very good player, but he's not going to see many more than 
20 minutes per game as the way mm. the Celtic are playing. So I've, I've not looked at Haksibanovic for a while, probably because he's he's been a bit sort of in and out and not, not had that many minutes, but he's he's just got over 10, 10 matches worth of data. So we ought to do something on him. As I was just, as James was speaking, I was just flicking through the data. He, he looks like he's basically not a winger, right? <laughs> he's just not a winger. I don't think he's a winger. He's not fast enough, as rightly said. And his dribbling ability is is good in terms of his trickery. But if you look at his profile, his data profile is completely different to the other three, you know, Yota, Abada, Maida. Where he stands out, where he's head and shoulders above all of those three is in his creative passing. Yeah. So he creates three So is he so a 10? I think he's a 10. Honestly, I think he's a 10. He's not much of a goal threat, but in terms of creative passing... He's, he's head and shoulders above the other three. He creates three times as many chances per 90 minutes as Maeda does. He creates more chances per 90 minutes than um, than Yota does. And, you know, we, we often talk about Yota's you know, creativity in that sense. He um, he has nearly double the number of pack passes of the other three. And that's from a wide, generally from a wide position. Um, and, you know, so to me, he's somebody you probably want to have central. If you want somebody to thread little clever balls through to the likes of Kyogo and to the likes of Abada and Yota inverting and, and coming inside, he he would be the one to do it. But the problem you've got then, of course, is like, see, you couldn't have him and Moy. I mean, we just get, even St. Mirren would run all over you in midfield with those two in there. Um, I must throw in Turnbull there as well. Yeah, but <laughs> Turnbull is a three. I mean, it was, well, this is, well, listen, this is, but this is the trade off that clubs like Celtic have to make. You know, Haksabanovic. But he's clearly a very talented footballer. He clearly got immense technical skills. He's got great vision. His creativity is excellent. But he doesn't have that top end speed. So the likes of West Ham, where he was at, would just go, well, you're not quick enough. And that's the end of it. That's the end of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, for Celtic, you can say, right, well, we can live with this because if you can wiggle your way through a packed defence and thread a little ball through, the fact that you're not, you know, you're not sprinting onto things, that's fine. You, that's the trade off that we're we're happy to happy to take, sort of thing. But the, 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 this is the, the, the thing you have to be careful of is the toxic combinations we talk about, which is you know you can't have him and Moy and Turnbull and and on you go sort of thing. Otherwise, that's just not going to work as a balanced team. So, and also we don't play with a ten. So that's the other interesting thing. We don't really play with yeah. an out and out ten. Yeah. So it's interesting for him because, as I say, just based on ten games of data, and as I say, that passes my threshold for what I believe is is a sufficient amount of data to form. Um, you know, sensible conclusions or reasonable, reasonable first conclusions. Um, he's, he's, he profiles again completely differently. So, look at it two ways. One on the basis that, as a squad, we've got yet another player who offers something completely different to the other players that normally play in his position. Um, but, <laughs> but there's buts, and, and I suspect the buts don't really matter until you try and win games in Europe, which we, which we keep coming back to, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because to win in Europe, you need a player like Yota with speed or Haksabanovic yeah, yeah, yeah. with speed. You know, what I mean, they're, they're the players that would move the dial in Europe. Yeah, and um, I'd love to see the American NFL style combines that they have, but with with football clubs. So Celtic would do a combine at the start of the year. Who can run fastest? Who can jump highest? Who's the strongest? So that everyone could understand what type of player and who they are um, that we have within our squad is and. 
I don't know if that would make things worse or better for those players overall um, in terms of the abuse they get, but uh, I'd love to see. I, ju- I just love I to we see. All, we all know the answer to that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'd love to see a, 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 a hundred meter sprint more than anything of every Celtic player to see who's the quickest, because I think the winner of that would surprise people. Um, so b- b- before we move on to the Hearts game, just want to say a massive congratulations to everyone's favourite Celtic player, and that's Alistair Johnson getting his first goal for the club, even though pretty sure that that just was not his goal. Like, yeah, if, if you weren't being kind, that's that's probably not his goal. But he's claiming it, we'll claim it, and uh, I think everyone was happy to see him getting that goal because he's just, yeah, he's, he's everyone's favourite player at the club right now. Um, Hearts this weekend, uh, of comic came in. I'm not going to do the full question because I think it would take up too much time and it's too broad of a question but I'll, I'll change it to a more specific game uh, style question so that it comes in from Timothy Leary on Twitter he's saying that hearts are closer to the relegation spots than to first place so I think that goes to show and I know hearts have been pretty decent this year that that goes to show the the relative gap in First and second this year, I feel like it's more pronounced than in the last number of years than it has been, especially within Celtic. I mean, Celtic are on course to be uh, to break the record of most goals scored in the league. As far as I know, they're they're not too far off, so they probably will do that by the end of the season if they continue in the the way that they are. So, what are we thinking for this weekend in terms of this Hearts game? Is it something that we worry about, or is it again like Saint Marin where we think? Halftime might be a worry, second half, blow them away again. I'm actually less concerned about hearts at home than I am away to St. Marin. Um, so, you know, we've, we've talked a little bit this season about what kind of a debacle Hibs and Aberdeen have been. Have, have you looked at the table, Enda? Do, do you see where Hibs and Aberdeen are in the table right now? Mm-hmm. They're right behind hearts. Okay as big of a debacle as they've both been, and they're still where they are. Um, Hearts are conceding the highest amount of non-penalty XG in the league. Okay. That, that they are um, about, let's see, 50% more than St. Mirren they've been conceding. So they, they definitely have some attacking threat, Um, but the balance, I mean, they actually have a, a, a pretty poor uh, non-penalty XG difference. Uh, they're one, two, three, four. They're fifth in the league in that regard. Um, so I, I think from a, you know, we, we talk about styles make fights, mm-hmm. right? Partic- it's a whole different kettle of fish when, um, when you go to hearts, but at home against them, uh, they, they tend not to play the bunkering that, you know, they don't come in and, they try to play a little bit, and and that usually is a really good matchup for us. Um, within you know, again, the, the one caveat is always: do they do they have a keeper that has an ability to stand on his head? Um, you know, Clark has been a decent keeper the last couple of seasons, and and certainly as a number two in in Scotland, not so bad. Um, they could do a lot worse. So. But I, yeah, I, I would expect a relatively comfortable game. Now we might, it might be a five-two game, <laughs> something like that. Like I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if some of their athleticism and skill and attack gives us some problems. 
Um, I expect an entertaining game. Um, but as lo- unless we have a horrific day finishing and or some mix of Clark having a worldy type of game, we should get a ton of chances. And, um, you know, unless it's one of those horrible variance games, I, I, I would think we would win by at least two goals. Yeah. So I keep saying this weekend, we are playing Hearts this weekend, but that's in the cup. And that's in the cup. Yeah. Yeah. Tomorrow night is um, a game against them. So that's at home uh, tomorrow night and then away on uh, Saturday and or Sunday in the uh, in the Scottish Cup. So that's or no, Saturday, Saturday, 12 o'clock. So it's quite a tight turnaround for Celtic um, when it comes to playing this team. But again, Hearts have to do the exact same thing. So I would suggest on that. Celtic make a couple of changes tomorrow. Maybe Abada does come into the starting lineup, but overall, Ange hasn't changed like you know eight or nine different positions in a row um, all that often. So, what are we expecting tomorrow versus Saturday? Yeah, as James said, I, I agree hundred uh, percent. You know, I'm much more worried about that game on on Sunday than, than I am about this one. You know, for two seasons in a row now, Hearts. Have Hearts goalkeeper has had to make more saves in the game than any other team in the league, any other team in the league, even Dundee United this season. Hearts keeper <laughs> has to make more saves. That's twenty-two seasons in a row that's been the case. So last season they had Craig Gordon. They don't have him now, so um, I think that's a big loss for them. It's under Clark's decent, of course, as as, uh, as James said. So you know this isn't a great great side. In fact, you know the fact they haven't improved that you know, tells you a lot about Robbie Nielsen, in my view. In terms of he's just not addressed that defensive frailty really. In terms of you know their ability to give up shots, and of course they're huge, usually relying on you know I think the second in Scotland, which means second in the world in terms of number of penalties they get. <laughs> you know, it's just a phenomenal number of penalties um, that uh, that Hearts get in, in games. Like, I don't know the exact number, but it's 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 a lot been a lot this season. I mean you know seven, eight, nine, more sort of thing. So. Um, <laughs> I don't, you know, I, I, uh, I think we, I think he went into the matrix. Yeah. The, uh, the powers that be heard him talking about penalties and cut him off before he, he could reveal any of their dark secrets. Pulled the plug on him. Um, yeah, it's hearts are fascinating. Um, you know, obviously they've they've had some uh, positive variants, as as I like to say, uh, with <laughs> tongue in cheek, with um, some some of the penalties and that kind of thing. But um, again, they they do have some attacking talent, and, and I think that you have to give them that. Um, but but yeah, their their midfield's not all that, you know, uh, commanding, shall we say? Um, so I don't think they'll give us too much trouble. In, in that sense where, you know, I'm typically more concerned. Um, so yeah. It, it, and, and I think where, where Alan was going, I mean, they just make a lot of mistakes. Like they're not that they're the antithesis of a Robinson coached um, St. Mirren. They, they don't, they don't have that kind of discipline and shape and um, organization typically as, mm-hmm. as giving up the most shots two seasons in a row would, would uh, given their wage bill and standing in the table would, would imply. So um, yeah, I, 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 I'm um, I look forward to this kind of game. Cause again, the, it should be a more of a back and forth open um, exciting matchup 
that that you know if they scored first or like this is the kind of game where it wouldn't be the most shocking thing on earth if they even went up two nil right like if we if we have a bad day and make a mistake and like they they have enough attacking talent that they could punish us if you know just from a early screw up kind of situation it just happened to occur we get a bad bounce you know to get a handball in the box miraculously the penalty for hearts that kind of thing like that that wouldn't shock but i i even if we went down to nil i would not at all be you know um surprised that if we came roaring back and one three four five two because kind of yeah. they're so bad uh defensively yeah uh alan the uh people in charge of scottish football cut you off while you were chatting about penalties and i think he might be gone again uh, now that I start to bring it up. So I think that's where we'll wrap up the show because uh, I think Alan's internet is just playing up a little bit. Uh, James, thank you very much for your contribution as always. And thanks, uh, thanks thanks to everyone who is getting involved in the comments as well. Keep them coming after the video is uh, over. Keep the conversation going and like the video as well. It helps loads of people see it. We're just shy of 6,000 subscribers as well. So if you're not subscribed to the channel, uh, hit the subscribe button as well. It means a lot to us here in the huddle breakdown we will chat to you next week when we have two games against hearts two to hearts review. games to reveal two My hearts goodness. games hopefully they'll be a little bit different so that we'll be able to differentiate uh between the two but who knows who knows that's, that's a uh, bet you might that's a hand you might even bet pre-flop and uh, two hearts yeah i i don't are you a poker reference. player you're not a, you're not a poker player okay see we I, i'm a texas hold'em player as opposed to a poker player so i, I don't know well, Texas Hold'em, you, you could you could bet, you know, that's it's you have a flush draw, maybe. Mm, potentially. Come on, you're you're a degenerate gambler. Come on. <laughs> well, you wouldn't guess it with the uh, setup that I have that I am. So, uh, right, that's where we'll wrap up the show, James. Thanks, and uh, we will chat to you next week. Good luck. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs>